What's up, everybody? This is Subway Sports Talk, and my name is Peter Kennedy. Today, we'll be talking to my guy, Rocco Del Puri, about something he's been waiting 20 weeks to talk about since he joined SST, and that is a new head football coach of the New York Jets. Who would have thought in the middle of the NFL playoffs that the Jets and Jets fans would now have something to hang their hat on? Because it's not an on-the-field product yet. Not yet. But the fact that the Jets just hired Robert Sala as their new head coach leaves Jets fans excited. And that's very fair because all the people coming over from San Francisco with Coach Robert Sala, they give you reason to have just a little bit more confidence and excitement moving into this offseason. But we are also sitting here today understanding that the work of Joe Douglas and the Jets has just, just begun. And there's tons of questions that are looming over this organization. Rocco and I will touch on all of them. You know, things like, who's going to play quarterback for the Jets? Because that might be important, right? There's still holes on the O-line. There's not many skilled players to account for. And the defense, though, you know, there's some more pieces there than on O. There's still a lot of work to be done there. But the excitement, the culture, and the energy that Robert Sala can bring to this organization will leave Jets, fran- Jets fans proud again. And that, right now, after this season that we just saw, is really all you can ask for as a Jets fan. So Rock and I will discuss. But first, I do have to come on this episode here before we really start and apologize. Last week, there were no episodes on Subway Sports Talk, and, and that sucks for me. I hate when that happens. I pride myself to come out here every week with my guys, the NBA Outsiders, the football crew, the designated hitters talking baseball, and every week provide some content. A lot of times, twice a week. But last week, some scheduling conflicts. I was doing some traveling. So we didn't get an episode out. In the middle of all this, I know, it's really tough. But I did want to apologize, but don't worry. We're back, and we're talking NFL. We're talking NBA. James Harden got traded. Robert Sala, as mentioned, named the head coach. And, and of course, all this action heading into the conference championship round. Um, there is also some baseball news that just came out Monday night when me and Rocco were recording. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about that because, like I said, it just got tweeted out by Jeff Passan, but the Mets general manager um, really messed up a few years back, did something very bad. He sent pictures out to a female reporter that were unwarranted, unsolicited, unneeded, everything bad that you can think of about a text message that was sent. Um, so he done messed up, and he's gone, rightfully so. You know, the Mets still have a future to look forward to, so we're not going to try to say, like, it's all negative for the Mets, but for that specific man, and if anybody knew about that, part of him, that's not good. So that guy, I don't even know his damn name. He can walk, he can kick rocks, um, and we can get that energy out of the Mets. But we're not going to talk too much about it because, like I said, literally just got, just got released. So that's all I have to say about that. In regards to some of the football action that we just saw, we almost had a chalk weekend in the divisional round. We had the Packers win and cover against the Rams. The Bills win and cover against the Ravens. We had the Chiefs win but not cover against the Browns. And then the Bucks covered and won. Underdogs, Bucks covered and won 30-20 against the Saints. Now, of course, Drew Brees, his last game perhaps in the NFL is, I believe that might be official already. I don't even know. But very sad. I mean, that dude, I'm not going to do a whole thing. You don't need me to tell you about Drew Brees. That guy's special. We were lucky to see him play for as long as we did. And if this is it, which I think it is, congrats, because that guy had a hell of a career, for real. And he's one of the best to ever do it. We're lucky to see him do it. But now moving in to this next round, I think it worked out okay. I I really do. And I'm excited to dive into it later in the week. But I just want to say this about our matchups. We have two sets of quarterbacks. One set full with two young guys who might be the future in this league if they're not already. And then we have two guys who have been holding it down for like 20 years. If you combine them, almost 40 years, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. If you drew up this playoff championship round in the NFL, I don't know if there's a better matchup that you could have even thrown in here. You can argue that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers would be just as fantastic as a matchup or just as grand of a matchup from a quarterback standpoint. But we got Tom freaking Brady, man. 
Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. You have to like think about it for a second. First off, these guys have like almost they've hardly played each other in their careers. This year was maybe the third matchup, if I remember correctly, of their careers, and now we get to see them on the frozen tundra in the conference championship. On Tom Brady's first year on a new team, I mean, you can't really draw it up better than that. So I'm damn excited. As we speak currently, we have the Bucks and Packers. Packers minus three and a half, and we have the Chiefs minus three. I imagine that means Patrick Mahomes is going to be playing, right? Don't think they'd be minus three with Chad Henney, despite his valiant efforts on Sunday. Um, that was actually incredible. Andy Reid, shout out to him. And real quick. Real quick, this is completely off off the top, out of the blue. Just thought of it because I know I missed the discussion on James Harden last week. We're going to talk about it this week with the NBA Outsiders, of course. But Andy Reid, man, now you're now you're like, what the hell is Pete saying right now? James Harden, Andy Reid, yes, ex- precisely, exactly. Andy Reid was looked at as this guy in Philly, right? Oh wow, what a what an offensive guru. He's bringing these teams to dominance. Three NFC championships in a row, I believe, included a Super Bowl appearance. Incredible. But can't get it done. Andy Reid couldn't get it done. He was a choke artist. He couldn't manage the clock. He couldn't keep the offense hot when it mattered most. These are all things that were screamed to the rafters about Andy Reid for years and years and years until Patrick Mahomes came around. Now this is really getting wild. Ready for this? Till Patrick Mahomes came around, and this offense that was incredibly efficient and took great risks and put up points with Alex Smith, with McNabb, with Kevin Cobb, with Nick Foles. It didn't matter. They put up buckets on people. Andy Reid, that dude, but couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Is reminding you figuring it out yet? You got it? James Harden is that dude. Is James Harden Andy Reid before Andy Reid got the one guy to help push him over that hump or back over the hump. I don't know. But James Harden just joined this guy named Kevin Durant. And am I saying that Kevin Durant is to James Harden as Patrick Mahomes is to Andy Reid? Yes, that I, I guess that is what I'm saying. This is not a prepared take. I'm working through this as we go. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Officially, as of right now, that's what I'm saying. Kevin Durant is Patrick Mahomes to Andy Reid's James Harden. I don't know if that one made sense, but you know what I'm saying now. And uh, I'm excited to watch the Nets if you haven't figured it out. Kevin Durant is that dude. He's incredible. He's amazing. He could make up for the shortcomings of a lot of people. And he's done it for a long time in this league. Granted, people want to forget because he was on such a talented Warriors team, right? But if James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant pull in the same direction, that's it. Pull in the same direction. I'm not talking about being the most incredible individual or whatever. If they pull in the same direction, let Kevin Durant be that dude a little bit more than the other two. James Harden legacy, though it may not switch the way Andy Reid switched, because now Andy Reid is absolute legend. Coaches obviously have longer lifespans, but James Harden's legacy can get saved just a bit, maybe a lot of bit, if Kevin Durant and the Nets can really really figure this one out. Now, if you didn't expect that take, neither did I, but that's just what happens when you're out here 12.30 a.m. Tuesday morning. I still say Monday night. I haven't gone to sleep yet. That's what happens when you start spewing an intro that was supposed to be five minutes and we're pushing on 10. So that's all I'm going to say. The less, the rest of it will be left up to myself and Rocco Del Puri talking all things New York Jets. Yes, New York Jets and head coach Robert Sala right here on Subway Sports Talk, and we'll be back the rest of this week talking football more and talking hoops, baby. Stay tuned. Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please.
Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We had a one-week hiatus. I was traveling. Couldn't get to hit record with my boys. And it was a tough week, NFL playoffs and all. It was also a tough week because James Harden got traded. The Jets uh, named their new coach. And, I mean, when you're in the midst of NFL playoffs, it's hard to miss a week. But don't worry. We're back. And back with me right now to talk about one of those items pressing to all people in New York right now is Rocco Del Puri. What's up, my guy? Pete, I missed you last week, man. Didn't know what to do. Couldn't <laughs> chop it up. Talking with you. You, Patty Boyle. I'm uh, smiling from ear to ear, kid. It's been a long 10 years as a Jeff fan. Uh, super excited. Who would think that in, uh, in the middle of January, very Jets fans would be happy, but I'm ecstatic. I spoke this into existence. It happened. We got ourselves an alpha male. We got ourselves a real coach. We got ourselves the opposite of Adam Gase. Now it's his turn, Robert Sala, to put his mark on our New York Jet football team. Let's get it, baby. I can't wait. Oh, man. That just got me jacked up right there. And there's a, a bunch of stuff to uh, unpack with that, of course. First and foremost, he is the anti-Adam Gase. Just straight off an energy, human being perspective, thinking nothing about football. Just look at that man. Watch the way he operated on the sideline in San Francisco, how he seemed to communicate with his men and people on the field. He's screaming his head off. It's just the complete opposite of the guy Adam Gase buried into his play sheet that who knows what he was even looking at on there because there wasn't a lot of variations in those plays being called anyway. So... Off the jump, Robert Sala, the new coach of the New York Jets, we do have some more information now about who's going to be joining Robert Sala with the New York Jets, one of which is Mike LaFleur, also one of Kyle Shanahan's guys. He was with them all the way back in Cleveland in 2014, then went to Atlanta to 49ers. Wait, was he with the 49ers, dude? Did I mess that up? No, of no, course, he, yeah. Yeah, he was with the Niners, too. And then uh, John Benton. You got a couple other dudes coming along with Salah from San Francisco. And first things for me is you think about what San Francisco has done over the past couple of years, and that has to make you feel good. Now, granted, you could probably argue how much of the percentage of the pie just falls on Kyle Shanahan's plate because clearly that guy is doing something right, especially when it comes to offense and run game and whatnot. But when this team was healthy, and they hit their peak in Robert Saller's third year as defensive coordinator, they were an absolute force. So that energy, that resume, off the jump, it's really hard to be upset. But, Rock, you said on this podcast a number of times it was Eric Bieniemy or Robert Sala. Those were your two guys all along no that doubt. you had at the t- top of the list. How, how were you feeling throughout the process? Were you confident that you were going to get one of your guys, or was there a moment of doubt? Oh, man. Um, well, obviously, you're a Jets fan. There's always moments of doubt. but <laughs> <laughs> Too many. But, uh, yes, you're right. I said for uh, quite some time, get us Eric Bieniemy, get us Robert Sala, two, two dudes that are respected across the league that players generally want to play for that were um, culture changes that this Jets organization clearly needed. So, um I think you said it right away, just as you described Adam Gase. Uh, And I felt the same way in the Bulls era. I thought Todd Bowles coached his defense up. Tremendous. Him and Adam Gase, they didn't have that rare fire that when when our noses were bleeding, we could stop it and we'd look to them. So now if the nose is bleeding, these guys aren't afraid to look to Salah. And he's going to empower them. And he's going to motivate and inspire them. And uh, they're going to be playing uh, tough football. The Jets are going to play with an edge, Pete. I, I, I can tell you that. Still might be, still might be eight and eight, <laughs> maybe six and ten. Yeah, don't but get it'll a, be excited. Six and ten. And, and that's the, you took the words out of my mouth with your next point there about Todd Bowles, a guy who, from a Jets perspective, I don't think he's a, a hateable figure, right? I don't think Jets fans are out here like, all right, Todd Bowles, like he sucked, like. I can't believe we let him on as long as he did. That wasn't the vibe with Todd Bowles. He was doing a better than average job probably 
but not much better than that. And there right. were some good moments. The team played pretty hard for the guy. He just seemed like, especially to the media, a bit of a a wet noodle. Maybe wet noodles even too strong. More of a dry Love piece of bread. Word. Maybe a dry piece of bread. He was just there to do a job. Here. It don't work in New York. Exactly. And he was just doing a job, and you need to do more than that. Joe Judge, uh, off the jump already, in his first year as the Giants head coach, has proven some of that ability to, you know, poke at the media uh, in a certain way to help his team get motivated or help his team get respected in a certain light. Obviously, he did so with the whole Eagles scenario about how he said that doesn't happen on a team that I'm coaching. He's like, that doesn't fly here with the New York Giants. He's setting a tone every single time he talks oh, to the podium. Set. Right. Every time he's at the podium, whether it's like the smallest thing ever, uh, he's setting the tone. He's making it known what everybody there is all about. Robert Sala seems like he's that type of dude that he sets a tone and he's going to keep it at that level, if not go higher uh, when he gets the chance. So there's not much more you can ask for from an energy standpoint, from a leadership standpoint there. But uh, before we really dive into what he can do and what we see this team doing as they start to fill out and what they need to accomplish in the offseason, um, how do you feel about Eric Bieniemy not seemingly getting as close a look for the Jets? Something is this a little weird? I feel like we're running into that thing again. Eric Bieniemy, he might not get a head coach job, and I don't know what's going on there. Well, I think you know, as far as Bieniemy uh, being with the Chiefs and them still going on this run, it was you know it's a long process, and mm-hmm. the Jets wanted to get through with it, and they feel good they got their guy. They're building their staff. They're meeting internally now to see if they're keeping Donald. What they're going to do with the draft capital. Are we going to go get Watson? Oh, my God, please. But, <laughs> you know, so there's some exciting stuff that needed to be urgent and happen right now. Um, I do believe Eric Bieniemy will be a head coach. I wanted Eric Bieniemy for his strengths, and I, I loved some of his interviews and the work he's done with uh, Andy Reid. And it looks it looks like that tree from Andy Reid's doing pretty well. Uh, you got McDermott still going, Ron Rivera. I mean, Peterson just got fired, but he won mm. a Super Bowl. You got Frank Reich. You know, there's a lot of good coaches in that tree. So, you know, it was probably easy to say the enemy do the same. I was a little worried about him being potentially the Jets head coach because I didn't know how strong of a defensive staff he could bring. And, mm. and that could be his downfall, Pete, that his staff outside of him and who he was bringing isn't looked upon as the one that a salad could bring with grabbing uh, NFL ready OC, you know, in, in LaFleur. And right. uh, it's funny. They say, Oh, I don't know. You get LaFleur. He might be a head coach next year. Then, then the Jets are pretty good. Right. That yeah. guy's getting a head coaching job next year. Then every week on the pod next week, next year, I'm smiling. That, that you can't ask for much more. It's kind of like the, uh, I'm drawing a blank now on, on the guy's name, the Giants defensive coordinator this year. Pat Graham. Pat Graham, right. Like, he's getting this buzz about possibly getting interviews for head coaching jobs and this he and that. He turned down, but yeah, no doubt. Right, and if yep. and whether he do, did or didn't, it's like, okay, that means we're doing something very well here. Things are yep. operating well, and one of our units is good enough to where other people want a piece of it. So <laughs> you kind of take what you can get, and you hope that, Kind of like what happens here with Kyle Shanahan, the people that now learn with Mike LaFleur, maybe it's the, the quarterback's coach on the LaFleur who who learns enough to become the OC, and that's kind of how this right. thing happens all the time. Because if you think about Kyle Shanahan right now out in San Francisco, he's like, God damn, Robert Sala just took my O-line coach. He took my passing game coordinator. He's like, what the hell? Like, I, I was trying to help you guys out, and now you're all leaving me. So, you know, it, it's part of the business, and it's a weird thing to wrap your head around sometimes. But if people want your guys... That means you're doing something right, and the chance of you continuing to find people of that nature probably remains pretty high too. No doubt. And what's what's uh, what's funny about that is that that whole Shanahan tree is really multiplying and going out. So you got Zach Taylor, you got Lafleur, you got both um, Lafleurs now, huh? You, you got obviously McVeigh. You have Shanahan. You know so. A lot of these teams, and now you have you'll have the Jets, you have Arthur Smith that are running that Shanahan system, that wide zone, that boot, that play action, 
you know, they're going to play tough defense. They're going to shorten the game, deep play action, you know, one to two man routes. Like, and, uh, you know, Sam Donald played in that offense in year one. Um, and he had a strong finish those last four, four games. I know that gave optimism for the Jets going into the sophomore year. Made out with the girl at one oak, got mono, <laughs> and the rest is history. But um, it's definitely an intriguing time. I, I, I can't, I can't decide what I want. One day I wake up, I'm like, maybe, maybe Sam Donald's the guy. But then I look and say, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen all played this weekend. Then I say, let's draft a QB. And then I say, like. Uh oh, what if one of these guys is a bust because three years ago we picked at this spot? Right. And then I say, do everything in your power to get Deshaun Watson. But then I say, are we destroying all of our capital to build a team that has a ton of needs, like from O line to DB to receiver to running back to head coach? But we got that. To punter, so to long fun. snapper, to gunner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we got a good, we got a good long snapper and punter. Pete. Come there on. There we go. Oh, my bad, my bad. The punter was the best draft pick of the year. <laughs> Sixth round, a punter. What? The guy, guy's head sticking, coughing corner like he was playing Madden. That's sick. Oh my god, it's you know, and it's true because then do you just become the Texans in New Jersey, in New York, right? right? Like right. if you just trade your your life away for Deshaun Watson and your team's not ready for it. Do you just become exactly what the Texans are right now in Jersey slash or New York slash Jersey, whatever it's, or do you become the lions? Like, do you become another team that has a, uh, some spunk at quarterback, has some real talent at quarterback and everything else is working against the quarterback Deshaun Watson. Like he was this year running for his life again, yeah. receivers traded the best one away. Will Fuller gets suspended and they got nobody left, you know? So if, if the jets go on that route, it's really, really tough. Because you can say, yo, Deshaun Watson's worth the next three or four first round picks. Like you can say you can argue that all day. And he probably is. He probably is for for a team ready to compete. He is. For the Dolphins. Not for us. For Not the for Do us. Right. The Dolphins had real life this year. Yeah. The quarterback was probably their weakness. Yeah, no doubt. And the Jets had little to no life this year. Quarterback was hardly part of the problem. That's in some aspect. Obviously, Darnold missing all those games was bad and he didn't play particularly he well, did not, no. but you can argue that there were other things that were larger issues than Sam Darnold, a la the yes. O-line, a la Frank Gore's 20 carries a game, a la no receivers, a la defense was not very good either. So there's a lot of things to be said about that, that concept. When you really break it down, Rock, what, what, what is the breaking point? What needs to be super solid for the Deshaun Watson hall to be worth it? Is it is it Joe Douglas and uh, like hoping that he pushes every single right button to make it work? Is it Robert Sala now, or do you kind of feel like, oh, our best bet now with Deshaun Watson is one or two ten and six years, and maybe we'll get hot in the playoffs? Because it's it's kind of hard to find the balance or the breaking point. Wow. Um. So if they get Watson, God forbid, right now, you just morphed into like a you have to be a win now team. So you got to hope, and I, I checked the, the cap, if we absorb his contract, we'd still have money to get free agents. So they said they're going to target a receiver. Is it Juju? Is it um, Allen Robinson? Um, you know, so they're going to have to go for it. But if you look at this Shanahan offense, we, we need a real deal back. And when I say a real deal back, you know, and I get it. They, they, they were a running back by committee right. the last few years. But these guys were one cut, get north south. They had that running back, a lean body that could be in the pass game. LaMichael Perrine's not doing it for me. No. He needs to see a nutritionist. <laughs> he wants to play in this. Oh, you, you better lose 15. Um, you know, the Johnson, T. Johnson came on hot at the end of the year. You know, I, I, I don't know if he's got a real future. So... He's a two um, or three at best, like, you know. Right, right. So that's an area of concern of mine. So you're going to grab Watson and you're going to pay for You're going to pay top dollar for a receiver, you know, after after his first contract. Um, could Things could get interesting, but, you know, ton of, ton of, ton of holes on this roster. 
and they have the draft capital to fix it this year. If they overweigh the quarterback over these needs, then uh, and it and it backfires, then we could be back to square one. And that's that's exactly the last thing any fan could possibly want. It's uh, similar to what's going on with the Eagles right now. It's like okay, we could uh, we can keep Wentz around, and we're gonna work with limited cap, and we're gonna see if we can figure it out, or we can just try and start over and you know cut our losses as much as possible, which will help us make some maneuvers as far as free agency or draft capital, whatever, and ride with Hurts or ride with another guy from the draft or draft somebody else and Hurts and that guy go at it for the job. And uh, in, in my opinion, it's it's really tough. But the one thing that, that lands for me here is Sam Darnold isn't paid yet. Nope. So it's not like the Wentz situation in that regard because he's not but crushing But that day is coming soon, Pete. But you have that time, right? He doesn't have to be extended before the season. They got to guarantee his fifth option by, by March 13th. And yeah, but no, I'm talking. five mil next year. Oh, his fifth year option would be $25 million? Franchise yeah, tag? Third pick. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's so insane. it's. it's All right, so I had you that. Could, you could reset. That's why it's a. I, I, you know, listen, Joe Douglas, you got the hire right. I asked you on Instagram at Rocky Dell to get the <laughs> hire right. And you did. Thank you. You had a oh, you had a solid draft. Still, still, Jory's still out on Mims. Um, Beckton looks great. The punt is tremendous. I, I want to see what's up with Ashton Davis. He did okay with the rookie free agents, but I, I, uh, I don't want this guy's job right now, Pete. He's really got a tough one deciding the who's behind center. It, but he does have avenues. Could keep it in house. Go with Donald. Now you got draft capital. You could trade the two. To the four, get you know, get it, get another two first rounders. You could draft Zach Wilson, Fields, start all over, reset the pay market, mm-hmm. or you could hope and mortgage your future for Watson. So he's uh, while we're filming this pod right now, he's at home crunching numbers, looking at this is this, this is that. It's uh, it's a lot. I'm looking at uh, Darnold's contract here, by the way, just because I wanted to make sure I had this right. It looks to me so the fifth year. It so you're telling all right. So the first four years he had a salary less than a million, right? Base salary, but he had a five million signing uh, bonus every single year. He had yep. a roster bonus of one in his second year, two point five in his third year, three point eight coming up. His cap hit is just under ten million this year coming up. But you're saying that for 2022 season, his fifth season, they need to be in agreement by March. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, now I got it. So that does change a lot. I thought I was under the assumption that they had until the season was going on to make this happen. Because then, no. you, you know, you see what happens. You see how everybody's looking during camp. And you can make a decision a little later down the line. And that time could be huge. That being said, they don't have the time because I was wrong. So that make that makes everything all the more complicated. But I don't know. I don't know, man. The quarterback thing for the Jets is absolutely outrageous. Ha, did you see anything from Fields or this kid uh, from BYU Wilson before the college football season ended, or or do you not have uh, do you yeah, not have a preference in those um, two guys? I obviously loved Fields' performance against Clemson. Right, he played he played ridiculous. Had a very good career. I, I have questions about him. I, I, I'd rather roll with Donald than pick him. Um, Wilson, I, I, I want to look more. Uh, I saw a ton of highlights of Wilson tearing it up. The one game I watched was Coastal, BYU. I, I shouldn't say that. I watched BYU Navy. Watch my guy, John, John Kelly. Shout out. They really just ran the ball down their throat. So he made a few good plays. Then I watched BYU Coastal. See Patty, see our guy Patty, and uh, I wasn't impressed with him. He didn't. It was his worst game. Right. But listen, he he's got a rocket arm. He he's got he's a little he's mobile. He's a Mormon. I mean, what more <laughs> don't you want? So uh, there's a lot of people that want Zach Wilson. Right. But I also feel we have too many holes on the roster to pick two for a QB. We could easily trade the pick to the Falcons at four to Carolina at eight 
and we've moved back three to six and had to give up three second rounders. So think about what we could get four to eight. Right. I'm sorry, two to four, two to eight. Right. No, it's true. And and the Jets are in the spot right now. And it's weird because they're last year in particular was a was the oh what's it was I gonna say? Oh yeah, the, the quarterback thing, it didn't run like one, two, three all needed a quarterback. Right, because yep. the Giants. No, remind me of the order if you if you if you remember here. Let me pull it up because I don't. Wanna... Had, no, yeah, you, you had Washington took after Joe Burrow's. Washington took uh, right. Chase Young. Exactly. So so that could have been a pick where they moved down, but Tua and Herbert. There was a lot of debate about who wasn't better than that. The Dolphins right. knew they can get one of the two, so they weren't worried. The Chargers then were like, all right, we yeah. might get the leftover 30, might be our guy anyway. Clearly, they got Herbert. It worked out fine. This year is different. There aren't teams that feel as confident, and there's not really a Chase Young-type talent to go so quickly after Trevor Lawrence this year, right? So that ability to trade down, which is very hard, and it's way easier to say in theory, oh, the Jets can just trade down, get some more picks, and they're set. It doesn't always work that easily in this particular draft without the Chase Young-level talent definitely going at two that you can't miss on, you're not going to pass up on. There's a lot more opportunity for that movement at that trade at the trade spot there. Thank you for my... I just had a complete brain fart. I could only think of the Baker Mayfield draft. I was like, who who got drafted last year? I was, I was losing draft, my mind. Those quarterbacks are killing it right now. That's why you couldn't... Yeah, though, um, some it. of them are killing it. Baker and uh, Josh Allen. Darnold and uh, Rosen over here. Not right. so much, but Lamar Jackson also in that group as well. Yeah. Um, no, but so, you know, the way I see it, you trade that two to four. You know, we can walk away with this draft, six starters, potential, right? Because they yeah. obviously got to do it, but you'd have two first-round starters, two second-round guys. You, you know, you'd probably get a, another third. So you, you're really revamping that roster, which is needed. Right. So looking at the draft order here, I'm just going to read like one through ten um, real quick and just say quarterback if they're interested or not interested. So you have the Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence, obviously, so we'll move on ten, 2 through 10. You have the Jets at 2, the Dolphins at 3, who do not need to draft a quarterback by any means. They do not need to. They're probably more of the front runner in the Deshaun Watson race just based off of where they are at uh, currently. Right. So they don't need a quarterback particularly. The Falcons could definitely use one. The Bengals got Joey B, so we think they ain't taking one. Obviously, he's off an ACL. The Eagles can very much so be in that game. The Lions at seven could be in that game if they move Stafford somewhere. The Panthers, though, everyone likes Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think anyone loves Teddy Bridgewater. They're in the game. Yep. Yep. The Broncos, Drew Locke, are you convinced? They're in the game. Dallas at 10, Dak Prescott, probably not. So of those teams, there's and only— And then the 49ers. And the Niners are at 12, and pff, they're in the game too. So you and got— the Patriots at 15. You got a bunch of teams in the game for a quarterback here. The Patriots are probably the least likely to trade up just because that's not their style. But you think about the Niners. You think about the Broncos. John Elway is aggressive. I see him more going for a Stafford because he seems to be that type of guy who goes for the the name that he knows. But the Broncos can make a move. The Panthers, the Lions, there's a lot of teams who want to be in that race. And if one of those teams, just one, fall in love with Wilson or Justin Fields, which it's a strong chance that teams can fall in love with some of those guys, this is where the Jets strike. That's where they strike I would love, I would love it for the Falcons, Pete, for a couple reasons. One, it's NFC. So, God forbid, you do give them, you know, you do give them the next Tom Brady. He's in the other division. Um, And I don't want to move that far back because you'd love to get a Penny Sewell. If you could tell me that they could get Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, or Penny Sewell and acquire draft capital. I mean, come on. Right. I That's mean, what scares me. Or we take a QB and then he's a bust like Donald. And then we just did we just did this whole thing again. And Sewell is like the highest rated O lineman by like ten spots almost. But yeah. if you're going by the, but, the total big board, you know, he's the only O line in the top ten and, and the one I'm looking at at least right now. But see, that's another thing. There's a lot of people that want to get him. And I, I love it, but we're going to have then so much money tied into left and right tackle. It's just. That might be the recipe for success, Rock. 
That might be what every team needs to do. I know. You're talking to, to an O-line. I get it. Bro, you put all the money on the O-line, and then you can put Joe Schmo in the backfield at running back, and it doesn't matter. Then Michael Pirine right. will look like fucking Ezekiel Elliott. Oh. <laughs> Maybe not exactly. But no. uh, how, how do you feel about this? Because obviously the Jets need wide receivers, right? It's obvious they need a number one. They probably need a number two. Or if you want to call Crowder a two, they need a three. So they need talent out there. If Mims is going to be healthy, we'll see what he can do. How high would you pick a Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase? Because you know me, bro. I am a receiver. That's where I played. It's my favorite position to watch. It's my favorite college guys to look up, film on, and whatnot. But I, I don't think I ever want my team to draft a receiver top five, top six. Where's the highest you would take a receiver uh, or how good do they have to be to be that high? So this is tough because, yeah, you're right. Uh, normally, you're not drafting a receiver in the top 10. It's, it's, you know, and you've seen now in the college game that the year after year, there's so many hidden gems. Justin Jefferson, you know, second round guys, third round guys that are, are doing their thing. Um, but then I say, speaking of a third round gem, Tyreek Hill, right? Right. Do the Chiefs do what they do without him? Hell no. Guy's crazy. Right. right? And he bailed them out yesterday a few times. Pushed the coach. That's for another day. But he he's made a, a ton of plays these last three years. Um, he's a game changer. That's what Devonta Smith is. You insert that into your team. Same way we said Robert Salah's giving them life. That guy's giving them life because he could scoot at any point. He could scoot at any point. And, and this is a confidence game. So Donald feel a lot better, you know, whoever the QB may be, feel a lot better throwing the ball to that kid, knowing he's going to be there, than, you know, than relying on a fifth and sixth, you know, um, depth chart guy. Right. So. It's tough, man. I just think about, like, Odell Beckham probably was as impactful as a receiver could be in his first couple of years, right? And without some of the other stuff that they had, go- with that they did with that with some of the stuff that they didn't have going for them, Eli being old and not having it anymore, the O line not being great, so the run game wasn't great. Odell was only able to do so much. So that's what scares me, basically. It, it, you, if you're the Jets and you go and take Devonta Smith, it's going to be exciting, and whoever the quarterback is going to have a great toy to play around, throw some great balls to, and whatnot. But, like, a receiver typically is not solving your problems. So I, that's where I just get tough. I'd rather I'd rather wait and not take a receiver until the second, third round, take Amon Ross and St. Brown, who, you know, he's looked at as a second and third round receiver, but we've seen second and third round receivers over the past five years be absolute game changers off yep. the jump. So I don't know if that's the only guy I would look at. I haven't done all my research on that yet, but that's my overarching point. So, You're right, though. If they take Sewell... You got to start it for 10 years. Yeah. And you have. Becton and Tool, you know, listen, I'm worried about Becton. He's 6'10, 400 pounds. So <laughs> you got to worry, just like Zion Williamson, you got to worry about wear and tear over the course of the next, you know, right. three to five years. But yeah, you, you pick up a lineman at two, you're going to have him for 10 years. And that that is somebody who lifts everyone around them. Look at what the Colts. Did with that offensive line, they made Philip Rivers. We we were we all sat here and thought Philip Rivers could actually win some games. I mean, granted, we were all like, nah, you know, the Colts are gonna blow it. Like they're not gonna actually win. But there was an avenue for Phil Rivers to go off in the playoffs or do something serious and make a run here. And that's because of um, I was about to say Zach Wilson again. I'm still on the quarterback, um, Quentin Nola. Quentin Nelson and uh, Ryan Kelly, who they got in the O line. Their O line yeah. is just outrageously solid and their run game became so good that the, everything else got lifted around them. So that that's where I land as far as draft ideology. But I don't know. This guy Sewell, man, I feel like he's the dude who if you snag, you go doesn't even matter who we got. If we if we get one one or two more just average O-line, we now have a fantastic offensive line who's going to move people around the field. But I don't, I don't know. It's going to be crazy. We just got into a whole draft thing there. I don't know how that happened, but let, let, let's get back to Robert Sala for a second because we're going to end up on the Jets conversation real soon. I just yeah. want to run through this uh, real quick, just based off of his numbers since he became the D.C. in San Francisco. Some of it's not 
extremely fair because of what happened right before. So let me chronicle that. So right before Kyle Shanahan became the coach in San Francisco, just to remind you, there was this guy named Jim Harbaugh. He had some success, if you don't remember. He had some great success. They made it to the Super Bowl. They, they won a lot of games, and then he moved on. Or he got let go. He moved on to Michigan, whatever. They have Jim Tomsula. It was terrible. It was not meant to be at this modern NFL. And that modern NFL was only 2015, not even 2020 NFL. Chip Kelly comes in. It was even worse. They were 2-14, and 14, and they had a defensive rank in points and yards at 32nd in the league. Obviously, that's part because his uh, such quick play styling that or play calling that the defense was just on the field way too much. Probably not fair to the yep. defense, but they were the worst defense in the league. Robert Sala comes in with Kyle Shanahan in just the first year, bumps those things up seven uh, spots in each. He's 25th in points, 24th in yards. Um, they were 6-10 and 10 in Shanahan's first year. Jimmy G came over in the, what, midway point of the year in the trade. And they went on a little run. They got a lot better. So then from 2017 to now 2018, it's now Robert Sala's second year as defensive coordinator. They go from 24th in yards to 13th in yards. Now, granted, they still were just 28th in points given up, but that yardage total right there is important to note because that led to what came in 2019. 2019, when this team was absolutely reeling week in, week out, 13-3. and three. They had the eighth best uh, scoring defense and the second best yardage per game defense in the entire NFL. And even this year, where their best players were hurt out for basically the entire season, this team competed. Competed every single week. Got to 6-10 and 10, somehow, someway with no real talent anymore. Not no real talent. They had some talent. Don't, don't get it twisted. But they lost a lot of top-tier talent. They were the 17th-ranked scoring defense and 5th in yards allowed. So that's Robert Sala's trajectory with a team like the 49ers, with a head coach like Kyle Shanahan. But, Rock, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah, well, listen, he he obviously had a great track record of learning from tremendous defensive minds, worked on the Pete Carroll. He he was a member of the Super Bowl championship team. He was a quality control coach. He saw every day the Legion of Boom. That's where his scheme came. He, he, he runs a country cover three, Pete. Spot drop cover three. You know, they, they got to be great tacklers. Uh, a lot of four-man pressure, drop seven. I um, think he looked at the Jets. I think he said, got Quentin Williams on the first level, who had, had a very good year after a, after a, a subpar, you know, rookie year. Uh, I think he said we get C.J. Mosley back, fresh legs after a year, put him back in his Mike linebacker spot in the middle. You got Marcus May, who should be the priority number one free free agent signing. Um, proved he could be, you know, the, the head honcho, as he was always in the shadows of the box safety, the cigar-smoking Cabo, uh, <laughs> Jamal Adams. Um, and then I think he sees some defensive line depth, which we definitely have, Foley, Faka, Tusu, uh, Shepard. You got um, John Franklin Myers. There's, um, you know, and then Terrell Basham now in a 4-3. You move him to end. He was an off-the-ball linebacker, and this is a speed game. So, he, you know, he was getting square-rooted. Um, you know, Nathaniel Hewitt, I, I think the Jets have some okay pieces on defense. Needs more speed. Need an edge rusher. Need corners that we're uh, – extremely confident in would love to see Sherman come over. I know he's on the end of his career, but he's a culture builder. He knows the scheme in and out. And uh, I think he would pay dividends for a blessed Austin who's kind of got that same build. And I think I, I, I truly believe blessed Austin will be a perfect cover three corner. You're not asking him to play man. You're asking him to stay over the top, tackle well and cover with your size and length. So they, they could bounce back right away on defense. And if you did, if you watch down the, the the stretch when Frank Bush took over and they got away from cover zero and, and Greg Williams Star Wars blitz, mm. they played a lot better just playing true traditional four man rush and some, some drops and some fire zones. That's, so it, that was fantastic. Oh, sorry. You're not done. 
No, I'm done. I could keep going all day. No, about I'm just solid. saying I could listen all day because that that's fantastic and and it was a great breakdown of what Robert Sala is doing on defense that makes it special and it's kind of like a simple a sim a simpler scheme. Is that right? Like Absolutely. He's not trying to do too much, but he's trying to make sure they're good at what they do. And they're going to want to do it for him because they're going to believe in him. He's going to empower them. Um, I already started looking, Pete, at the 49ers free agents. We'll get this guy. We'll get <laughs> yeah. that guy. That's that how it works. That's how it works, though, right? Is this I guy haven't had this much fun with the Jets since prior to this season. I, I And I believe they were going to be good. Imagine. Dude, I'm with you, bro. I bet the over on the Jets last year, so never listen to me on an over on the podcast for NFL Oof. ever again. <laughs> that like, was that's the funny thing. Like even when they won this year, it was like can't even you lose when you win because then we weren't getting Trevor Lawrence. I just thought so of feels uh, nice man. Wait, you know who's feels- a uh, free agent in uh, 2022? Who's that? Aaron Rodgers' favorite linebacker in the league, Fred Warner. Oh, nice. That's not going to happen. That's a little too hard. No, That's a little gonna, too they'll hard. lock him up. They're lock him but up. But I look, you get yeah. a, you might be able to get a Solomon Thomas who was a top pick. Hasn't really had such of a such a great year stat wise, but now he's, he'd be he's a injured nice this year. Right? Get a corner or two. We're out here. We're out here, baby. We got the Jets cooking over here, Rock. I don't know if they're actually cooking, but we're cooking for sure. No doubt. And Robert Solomon, that's that's it. I think you you can feel the energy in this podcast was at such a level due to what this guy brings to the table. If you never seen him before, like if you never caught a Niners game in the past three years, because if you did, you saw him every thirteen seconds. They showed this guy on the sideline. Literally, it seemed like every other play more than Shanahan. Sometimes they would show Sala on the sideline during these games. So if you haven't seen it, YouTube it real quick. He's kind of a nut job. He actually might have to. Reel it in as the head coach, just like a just a smidge, right? I want to be his get back coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just grab his belt, right? pull him back. Uh, they'll need a get back coach for the get back coach. <laughs> yeah, you'll be on the t- on the thirty yard line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, I don't know if you have anything else to add here. We have a lot to talk about over the coming months here with you know the Jets and their draft ideas and what they do in free agency. And at this point in time. I might argue they're a little more interesting than the Giants. Interesting. Not better yet. No way, because the Giants are a step or two ahead, even though if their quarterback thing falls on its face, like it looks like it could with Daniel Jones just saying, they can be behind quickly. But the Jets have a lot of opportunity coming, and that's that's exciting. That's about as much as you can ask for right now. Hey, listen, I can't win the real season. I'll win the offseason. Yeah, because oh, you're a Knicks fan. You know what it is. All about well, the offseason. Hey, if we play if we play defense, if the Jets play defense like the Knicks did the last two games, baby, it'd be Jets tape. Oh, <laughs> Jets tape. Exactly. Yeah, the Knicks defense. Energy is real out there. The energy is Love totally the real. Let me let me uh let me look before we say goodbye, because I know you we're about to we're about to wrap this one up here. Give me your last words, but let's angle them. On the Knicks. Unless, unless do you want to make a pick or have anything to say about the playoffs? I know we're we're focused Jets here. Give no, me no, give me your uh, last words. Give me one word on uh the playoffs and one word on the Knicks. No doubt. So um I think it's exciting for the NFL that they're two games away from completing this season in this in this climate. Uh they couldn't be more happy that you got Brady versus Rogers in the frozen tundra at Lambeau Field. Unbelievable. Anyone could win over there. I'm going to be excited. That's great television. And then, you know, I'm praying for Mahomes' health. And then you're going to go Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen. And as as hard as it is for me as a Jeff fan that we could have drafted him, it's exciting to see where this kid came his third year in the league and only got better. Credit to, you know, the Bills staff. So that's going to be an exciting game. Super Bowl is going to be major. Um, it, it's been a great year for all that, you know, they had to go through. Now to, to our next day, Pete, and uh, I tell you now, when this gets all back, me and you will be courtside. That's on oh, me yeah. for sure. Let's go. But, and we'll take, we'll take Patty Boyle with us. Let's go. Heck, Mule. Even, even Mule. <laughs> we're going to make, we're going to make Mule pay for the Uber. Um, <laughs> I'm just excited that, you know, and I, I believe in this, that there's, a, you could feel, you could smell, you could hear, you could taste the difference. And um, 
it's exciting and it and it's it's all it's contagious it, it is so some of these guys are coming in their own i love quickly uh love uh, yeah i'm i'm uh i'm just i'm over overly happy with the whole product and yeah they, they had three or four shit games in a row i know they're going now on a west coast trip so it don't get easy but um they're competing they're growing there's definitely pieces there um and I think the, you know, I think Dibs is uh, is the type of guy and the leader that we've that we've been wanting for the longest time. And I I was big on Fizdale. That Fizdaled out. That fizzled yeah, out. I did. Dibs brings a different <laughs> a different animal. And I was worried because you heard, oh, the players don't relate. These kids look like they're relating pretty well to him. Heavy. So. And that's a that's the best point to me right there. I th- I keep thinking back to Minnesota with Tibbs, right? I'm like, what went wrong? Like, how did this happen? Like, what on over here? And what I what I keep coming back to now is towns and thought were people already, right? They thought they already had it all. They thought they were all set, and they didn't need Tibbs to do what he does consistently all the time is make people compete at a different level, and that's exactly what he's doing with New York. The Knicks don't have a Towns or a Wiggins who think they're hot shit. Who is the best player on the Knicks right now? It's Julius Randle. If Julius yep. Randle was a free agent this year, which he he obviously is locked up at 19 mil or whatever, if he was a free agent this summer coming in, my guy would have signed for less than 10 mil, I think. You know what I mean? So that's the highest marked player on the team. He's probably the He is the best player on the team right now, and he has so much to prove. So it almost works out perfectly with the – the type of coach Tibbs is to the types of guys he needs, guys who are going to buy in, who who know if they don't show up, they can show themselves out to a shit contract next time they're a free agent, right? So what went wrong in Minnesota was two guys who thought they made it who weren't really close yet running the show when Jimmy Butler, who made it, got shunned by the front office. Not shunned, but didn't get the contract. So it's, it's a happy marriage right now. I'm still telling Knicks fans who are talking about the playoffs to calm down. As you can see, they can go on bad runs for games this year. And this West Coast trip will be very, very telling. If they don't hang with these West Coasters at all, I've been I've been trying to warn you. I think they're going to hang. I think the energy's right. I think they're doing as good as they can right now. Let's not get too carried away, but like you said, Rock, it, it's different. It feels different. It is different. And that's what we're hoping for with the Jets as well. That's a that's a comeback right there. That's, a, that's how you wrap it up. Yeah, baby. Brick by brick. That's it. Subway Sports Talk. Rock Del Puri. Thank you, bro. As always. My brother. Fire. I think this is our first one, just me and you. It felt good, though. I'll tell you that much. It's, a, it's been a dream of mine, man. <laughs> Get you 1v1, the voice. Nobody does it better. Um, can't, but, you know, you're about to go on a run. You're already <laughs> on a run. You got to keep it rolling. There we go. All right, man. Rock Best thing Del that Puri. happened to, to New York since Steve Cohen. Yeah, <laughs> since Charles Oakley with the forearm shiver in the garden. Yeah, baby. Cold night in January, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, Rocco Del Puri, I'm Pete Kennedy. Uh, thanks for listening to Subway Sports Talk, baby. No doubt.